This is a Federal News Network podcast. There's still a lot of confusion about exactly how agencies will implement President Biden's mandate for all federal workers to get vaccinated or subject themselves to COVID testing. But one thing that is really, really clear, it's a bad idea to lie to your agency about your vaccination status. Stephanie Rapp-Tolley is a federal employment attorney and partner at the law firm Tully Rinke. She's with us now to talk about the consequences of lying on those new vaccine forms and how yesterday's full approval of the new Pfizer vaccine changes things. And Stephanie, I think I'd like to start with the uh, criminal law issues here. First of all, we'll talk in a second about the likelihood of any actual prosecutions, but what are the actual criminal statutory provisions that would be in play here? What, what hypothetical criminal exposure could someone have if they lied on one of these forms? No more critical exposure than a federal employee lying on any document relating to their employment. And and most likely, the federal government has a tendency to put the criminals apart aside and just focus on the administrative employment side issue. And they can do that giving several warnings and and several declinations of prosecution. But assuming that there would be, if, if they were to pursue some sort of criminal avenue for lying on um, a form related to employment, it would it would be a falsification of the document, fraudulent information, misrepresentation, something to that effect. And it would be relatively minor from a criminal perspective, but lying on the form could have very serious impact for an employee's employment because most agencies have the offense for lying on a document relating to employment as being termination. Uh, so I think employees should be more concerned about the impacts on their employment as opposed to the criminal ramifications. I just want to stick with the criminal piece for a bit, just because the administration in their communications about this has specifically called out 18 U.S.C. 1001, which I I think is just kind of the catch-all, don't lie to the government statute. But my non-lawyer's assumption on that is that no U.S. attorney is probably going to get very excited about bringing those cases unless there's some kind of DOJ policy that says, hey, everybody, this is a big priority. Yeah, I would agree with that. I, I don't think that this is going to be the, the priority in pursuing these types of claims. I think the priority is going to be employment actions, not taking criminal actions. But that's not to say that it's not possible. So, of course, when you know an employee should be educated in what their total ramifications could be and criminal action is possible. I, I just don't be, see it as being likely unless there is some policy change and they decide to pursue all of do agencies seem to be on on pretty firm legal ground as far as setting different procedures and policies for vaccinated versus unvaccinated employees here? Or is some of this stuff still need to be litigated and potentially figured out in court? So generally speaking, I think agencies are seem to be on, on pretty solid legal ground, assuming that they take the steps that they need to take for people in protected categories. So people with religious exemptions, people with medical disability exemptions, um, assuming that the agencies take those proper steps for those exemptions. Yes, by offering the either or on this, the the agencies are on pretty good uh, legal foundation. Um, There are some minor exceptions with, you know, unions needing to negotiate out a provision in the collective bargaining agreement. But overall, yes, (laughs) the agencies are on pretty solid legal ground. The piece of news around vaccines that we've just seen yesterday, the full authorization for the Pfizer vaccine, how, if at all, does this play into any of the calculus the administration's making about how to proceed on on vaccinations, both on the civilian side and on the military side? 
Sure. I mean, this was what um, the federal government, I think, was waiting for. There's a precedent that if a vaccination is not FDA approved, it cannot be enforced um, as a requirement uh, for particularly military. Um, but there's also an argument for employment, uh, federal employment as well. Now that Pfizer and FDA has now approved the Pfizer vaccination, uh, and I believe the approval for Moderna is sh- coming shortly thereafter, you know, that takes that argument away. So now even more so to get Pfizer to require at least the Pfizer vaccination, you know, that that argument has been removed and it does impact uh, the possible challenges an, an employee could have to being required to get the vaccination. Again, though, they're not really, it's, it's an either or. So if you don't want to get the vaccination, then a federal employee can uh, elect to do the testing requirement, the masking, social distancing, et cetera, whatever the agency lays out. Yeah, and one of the concerns that we've heard on testing is for, for whatever population of people who decline the vaccine, it, it could potentially be a pretty big financial burden on agencies to do that volume of testing. So I, I wonder, does full approval make it more likely that an agency or the entire administration would eliminate that option completely and just say, hey, everybody, we're getting vaccinated? I think at least at the start of this, the agencies and the federal government are very smart to offer the either or, because again, it takes away possible legal challenges to this by offering an alternative. I don't think that that will change. I think that providing an either or is necessary to a full implementation of this um, program. It will, though, be a lot of administrative work because of the amount um, of time that will be allowed to employees, payment for that time, et cetera. The in-facility testing areas, setting those up, recording those testings, you know, all of that, that implementation is going to be, well, I don't envy the people who are in charge of that um, because it's a lot, depending on how many people say I'm not going to attest to being vaccinated or I'm not vaccinated. Uh, last thing I wanted to ask you about, Stephanie, is you already mentioned earlier in the conversation that that lying on this form, a likely consequence would be termination. What about implications for things like security clearances or, or any other thing that would require a person to be in a position of special trust? Oh, definitely. If you lie on the form and you have a security clearance, I would expect a serious uh, problem with that security clearance. Uh, that's true. Lying on anything with regards to a security clearance um, it can impact your status. So if you if an employee has a security clearance, that is definitely something to take into consideration because it will I'm not even going to say will likely it will have ramifications for clearance. If if the clearance adjudicator finds out, I mean, are, are, are people I don't want to say, is it wise? Is it is it something that somebody could potentially get away with? How easy is something like this to discover if you're if you're a supervisor or if you're a clearance adjudicator? It depends. I mean, with with um, security clearances, investigators have a wide purview of what they can investigate. Right. And so any posting on social media, any email, any correspondence with a friend, any interviews with neighbors, you know, that's all within the purview of a security clearance investigation. You know, if you tell your neighbor, oh, I'm not really vaccinated, but I'm going to tell my supervisor and then that neighbor is interviewed. Boom. That's I mean, it's just not smart to do. Lying on the, that form is, is not inte- an intelligent move, particularly if you have a security clearance. Stephanie Rapp Tully is a federal employment attorney and partner at the law firm Tully Rinky. You can find this interview anytime at federalnewsradio.com slash Federal Drive. Hello and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. I am your host, Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by Vice Admiral Cutler Dawson. 
Cutler has had an incredible career serving our country for 35 years in the Navy, where he attained the rank of Vice Admiral. During his service, he had numerous assignments afloat and ashore, including Commander, Second Fleet, Striking Fleet Atlantic, and in Washington at the Pentagon and on Capitol Hill, where he was the Navy's Chief of Legislative Affairs. Immediately following his retirement from active duty in 2004, he became the President and CEO of Navy Federal Credit Union, the world's largest credit union, where he served for 14 years. Under his leadership, Navy Federal grew from 2 million to 8 million members. Phenomenal. Cutler, welcome and thanks for joining me. Thank you, Shane. You've had a fascinating career across both military and the private sector. Can you tell us a little bit more about your background and your professional journey? Well, I started out at the Naval Academy where I graduated in 1970. And then, as you mentioned, spent 35 years in the Navy um, with uh, six actual actual uh, afloat commands. Uh, the first one was when I was 27 years old. Uh, I didn't know enough to be scared of anything. And it was uh, probably one of the highlights of my career. Um, and then after I retired after 35 years, I went to uh, work at Navy Federal Credit Union as the CEO, where I spent my next 14 years. Um, I'm, I'm currently retired and enjoying life. And um, it's been a great run for me. How would you describe your leadership style? And how's that developed over the years? My style has been quite con consistent. Um, I believe, and I've learned this in the Navy, that you have to go to the deck plates uh, to see what is going on. And you have to learn what your people do and how they do it so you can help them to be better at it and more efficient and more productive. Um, it's um, something that you need to do all the time. Um, I remember I used to tell folks that um, you don't want to retreat to your cabin what I mean by that is um, the longer you're in a position, the less you think you have to get out and about. But that should be the opposite. You should get out and about more because people change, situations change, and you've got to figure out a way to get to them and find out what they're doing and where, what you can do to help them. Uh, I. We'll talk a little bit more about your book, but I read it um, from C to the C-suite. Fantastic read. You talk about the deck plates in that um, as well. I would encourage everyone to get a copy of this and read some more detail about going to the deck plates. Cutler, who was the most impactful leader in your life and what quality did you admire about them? I had numerous while I was in the Navy, but uh, the quality that, that I enjoyed the most was the leaders that got to know me as an individual and that they cared about me. And I could tell that they cared about me. And they were not only my leaders, but they were my mentors. And um, I remember um, one particular one, Bill Schiffer, when I had my first assignment at the Pentagon, um, I would go in to see him with my problem of the day. And I knew that he had numerous problems of his own, but he would stop and he would focus on me and he would make me feel like I was the most important person in his world. Um, and I, I tried to do that um, throughout my career. But really, it's about caring for your people. Cutler, in reading your book, there was a quote you used that you used to inspire those people that work for you. And it really got my attention. And it was, 
it was you are the captain of your own ship. I wonder if you can talk a little bit about what that means and how it was useful to you and the leaders you were developing. Uh, absolutely. Um, what I mean by captain of your own ship, when you are the captain of a ship, sometimes you're in the middle of the ocean and you don't have anybody to turn to to make decisions. You don't have anybody to turn to ask, what should I do now? You have to be the captain of that ship. And I, I translated that um, into, let's say, Navy Federals Organization, where I would tell branch managers that I said, you are the captain of the ships of Navy Federal. You're the ones that are facing the, the members or customers, as others call them, every day. And you have to make decisions without a lot of guidance, in some cases, and without a lot of time. So be the captain of your own ship. Step up, uh, make decisions, uh, do what you think is right, and you never can go wrong. I think that is so important. And you have to give your people a little bit of latitude to take some risk as well, because there is risk for them in doing that and risk to your organization. That's right. And, and I mentioned that I took command of my first ship uh, with five years in the Navy and I was 27 years old. Well, my boss had 32 years in the Navy and um, his, his guidance to me when I first met him was, Cutler, you do the right thing and I'll back you up all the way. What a wonderful way to, to spend an assignment with, uh, with backup and, and guidance like that. What, what great, great advice. Uh, it's clear leadership is a topic you're passionate about. You wrote the book we mentioned before, um, From C to C-Suite. Can you tell us a little bit about that project? Yes, when I was at Navy Federal, I would tell sea stories. Uh, as parables to get my point across. And um, folks would tell me, Cutler, we like your stories. It gives us a picture of what you're trying to tell us. Now, what else are they going to say? They work for me, but uh, uh, I took it as a compliment, and it was. And my wife encouraged me to write a book, and I needed a co-author to help me. And I found a lady named Taylor Keelan, who was the perfect, perfect co-author. She turned in my stories into wonderful chapters um, that I'm very proud of. Where can listeners find a copy? Well, you can get it on Amazon uh, and you can also uh, get it on the Naval Institute website. Uh, and I might add that um, any proceeds from the book, Navy Federal uses uh, to give to charity. Fantastic. Cutler, thank you very much. Really enjoyed your time and your lessons in, in leadership and sharing with us your life story. And, and uh, I've learned a lot both from talking to you today and reading your book. And thank you very much for your time. It's my pleasure. And I, I, I would like to add one thing if I could, Shane. Um, during my assignments in Washington, D.C., I gained the utmost respect for the civilians that work here every day. They're hardworking, they're dedicated, and they, they have my eternal gratitude. Uh, I got to come and go from the Pentagon. They stayed every day and worked in Washington when I got to go out and um, enjoy being at sea. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah, we, WEPA serves civilian federal employees, but your comment is well taken because the interaction between the two is is continuous, it's nonstop, and it's critical. So uh, the career civil servants, as well as career military, uh, our country would not be where it is today without them. I totally agree. And, and I can tell you from the US Navy standpoint, 
we couldn't operate like we do without them being the backbone of what we do. Thank you very much for your time today, Cutler. And to everyone listening to Lessons in Leadership podcast, we'll see you next time. As prices keep creeping up, your entertainment budget doesn't have to take a hit. Live One Plus has all the music you love, ad-free for only $3.99 per month. Dive into Live One's massive library of songs, listen to curated playlists, or create your own. Check out exclusive artist-hosted stations and do it all for the best price in streaming. Lock in a Live One Plus membership for just $3.99 per month now, and you'll not only beat inflation, you'll get all your favorite music ad-free. Check out liveone.com slash best music for details. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.